Good morning. I want to welcome everyone to the first Sunday of the new year. Whether you're here in person or whether, yeah, or whether you're watching online, we are so glad to have you a part of our worship today. I got to tell you, I absolutely love the new year because it's a time of really what we just sang about. It's a time where for a lot of people, it's a time of renewal and a time of refreshing, you know, new starts. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start things different this world. I'm, I'm going to make some change in my life. I'm going to finally lose that, that weight I've always wanted to lose. And I'm finally going to be that father that I've always wanted to be or that wife that I've always wanted to be. Or I'm finally going to stop. I'm going to put down that addiction that I've been struggling with for years. And that's good. In fact, as we study from God's Word today, I pray that God will show all of us some things that needs to be different. In our, in our lives in 2021 for this new year. But as we look forward into the new year, what I want us to do is I want us to start by looking backward. Now, some of you are like, oh no, I do not want to look back to 2020. But I want you to do this, and all serious this morning, I want you to look back over the whole year, 2020, and I want you to ask yourself this question. What was last year like for you? Okay, what was 2020 like for you spiritually? Think about that. Evaluate yourself as you think about this past year. And I want you to be honest. Okay, I, I know that so oftentimes as Christians, we're, we tend to come here and we kind of act like we've got all our stuff together, right? You know, we can't let anyone know that we've got any types of struggles. Kind of reminds me of the little boy who didn't know that the preacher had come to visit his family and he came running in from the backyard with a dead rat in his hand. He said, Mama, Mama. He said, Look. He said, I, I killed this rat. He said, I saw it in the backyard and I took a baseball bat and I just smashed it. And then I took my boot and I just stepped on it. And then I took some rocks and I just absolutely crushed it. And then as he finished saying that, he noticed in the corner of his eye that the preacher was sitting there. And so he said, and the dear Lord called him home. <laughs> and I think that's what we can be tempted to do when we come here. As a church family, you know, we want to put on this Christian look like we've got all our stuff together. But today I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest about this past year. Even up until the present, where are you spiritually right now? And for some of you, you may look back on 2020 and you may say, man, I was good. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of growing in 2020. But there may be some of you, as you look back, as you start remembering a lot of the stuff that was going on and, and a lot of the hardship that we went through as a country, some of you may be thinking, you know, last year I worried a lot. Last year I found myself 
you know, really frustrated and robbed of joy. Or, or there were times last year when I just, in, in my frustration, I absolutely lost my patience. And, and there were times when I was very selfish. And, and there were times where I wasn't loving at all. Listen to me this morning. One of the problems with Christianity today is people are often taught to come to Jesus without ever deciding to be like Jesus. Do you hear me? In other words, there are a lot of people who think it's possible to be considered a Christian without ever living like Jesus lived. But let me ask you a question this morning. Individually, of course, but also collectively as a church, what is our number one priority? Write this down. To look like Jesus. That in a world full of darkness, our mission individually, but also our mission collectively as a church is to reflect the image of Christ. In fact, Paul, he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 30, he says, throw off your old sinful nature. And he says, in your former way of life, who you used to be, you, you've got to get rid of that which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new what, church? Your new nature created to be like who? To be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting your anger get out of control. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath while you're still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, he, thief, he says, stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others who are in need. Don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything that you say... You with me? He didn't say let most of the things you say or some of the things you say, let what church? Let's say it together. Everything. Everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then notice this last part, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. What are you saying, Paul? I'm saying our priority is to live like Christ. To look like Christ. Listen, on this Sunday of this new year, I feel like, man, it is really important to remind us that our number one priority is to look like Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, He says, I am the white church. I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light, the light that leads to light. Notice, notice what Jesus says. I am the light of the world. And as Christians, what we are to do is to reflect that light.
Listen, we don't just let our light shine by sharing information about Jesus. We primarily do that by demonstrating transformation in our own lives. In other words, we allow His light to shine through our lives as we increasingly reflect His image. Listen, what I want you to do is I want you to read this passage to yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Okay? Just take a moment. Read it, read it to yourself. Do you understand what Paul's writing? He says, as this, the Holy Spirit works within us, as Christians, we should look more and more like Jesus. And as we look more and more like Jesus, guess what? We give glory to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul puts it like this. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as what, church? Say it out loud. As people of light. He is the light, and as people of light, we are to reflect Him. But here's the problem. I think there are a lot of people who claim to be a Christian, and let me tell you something, I'm throwing myself in the mix, who have not made this a priority at times. I think for a lot of people, transformation into the image of, of Jesus is something that has become not as important as, as it should be. Now, coming to church, and in other words, church attendance to us is important. And, and I think we would say that biblical doctrine is important. And, and I think that a lot of us would say, hey, making sure that people view us you know, in a, in a positive way is important. In other words, I think for a lot of Christians, we think what it's all about is coming to church, believing the right thing, and just making sure that we don't commit some terrible sin that would make others look down on us. But is that really all it is? This is why we have Christians who've been Christians for years and they're still unloving. And they're still rude. And they're still joyless and they're greedy and they have a terrible temper and they complain about every single thing and they still do whatever they want because oftentimes as Christians we don't expect transformation into the image of Jesus. And I'm talking about myself. Listen, the goal has got to be just stop going to church. Or rather, start going to church. And it's got to be start looking like Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29. Man, so many people love this verse, especially verse 28, right? This is the one everybody tends to know. And we know that God causes what, church? 
everything. And, and we've talked about this before, the good things and the bad things that come along in life. God can take those things, the good and the bad, and He can use that. He can work that together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. And that's where we tend to stop. We need to keep reading. Verse 29 for God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become what, church? Like His Son. We've got to become more like Jesus, and there are two things about this transformation that we've got to understand. First of all, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. We can't just grit our teeth and try harder to become like Jesus. No, it's an inside-out work of God through the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22-23 talks about the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those things. That's the work of the Spirit within you and me. But then also we need to understand that this transformation, it's a process, it doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. Now, don't use that as an excuse either. You know, you, you hear people say something like, well, I'm a new Christian, and, and they continue to do the same stuff that they've always been doing. No, we can't use this as an excuse. But spiritual growth is... A process. In fact, the Bible says, again, as the Spirit works in us, the more and more we become like Jesus. It's a process. Some of you may remember this Russian comedian. He would usually, he did this routine or this bit where he would talk about coming to America and how awesome it was. And he did this one bit where he talked about going to a grocery store in America for the first time. And there was all this instant stuff. You know, he walked in and he saw uh, powdered milk. Just add water and you've got milk. And he saw powdered orange juice. Just add water and you've got orange juice. And then he looked around and he saw baby powder. And he thought, wow, what a country. But listen, when people come to Jesus, when they're baptized into His death and resurrection, going into the water doesn't immediately produce someone who looks like Jesus. That's just the beginning of the journey. In fact, this process of transformation is aided by certain disciplines and commitments which over time provides the context for the Holy Spirit to work. Now, again, don't misunderstand me this morning. We look more like Jesus as the Spirit works in us. But there are certain commitments and disciplines that provide the context for the Holy Spirit to be more effective. Let me show you what I mean. Look at Acts chapter 2, and I'm not going to put this up on the screen this morning. We're going to look at verses 42 through 47, I would encourage you to read the entire chapter. This is really the first Christians. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, 
They were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 42 it says, And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What I want to do is I want to point out some of the priorities that we see with these first Christians. Because I think these are real important. First of all, number one, notice they had the priority of worship. The first centuries, they gathered in large and small settings, and they gathered to focus on and worship God. And when they would gather, they would hear the Word of God. That's what it means when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, because what did the apostles teach? Everything that Jesus had taught them. When they came together, they broke bread. They partook of the Lord's Supper, remembering His death and resurrection. When they came together, they would pray together. And in the process of all of this, they were being shaped by the Holy Spirit. You see, our worship shapes us. In fact, you may want to write this down this morning. We are shaped by whatever we worship. Now, it may be God, or it may be money, or it may be popularity and status, or it may be some other relationship, but whatever or whoever we worship shapes us. And so when we come together and we remember Jesus' rightful place in our lives. We remember our rightful place as well. And the Holy Spirit does His work on us. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever come to worship with a heavy burden? With a heavy heart? And when you came to worship, the Holy Spirit comforted you? Have you ever come to worship and, and you knew that you hadn't been living like you needed to be living, but while you were at worship, the Holy Spirit convicted you? And that's what happens. The Holy Spirit shapes us into the image of Jesus as we refocus our hearts and our minds on Him in worship. You know, Jesus talked about how when two or three are gathered in my name, He says, I am there with you. Now, I doubt any of us fully understands what that means. But He says, when you guys gather together, He says, I am right there. In your presence. And when we focus on Him, the Holy Spirit is powerful. 
among us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except what, church? The one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of who? Of the Holy Spirit. Again, when we focus on Him, man, the Holy Spirit is powerful and He begins to shape us to look more like Jesus. And so here's the deal. Worship is a big deal. Are you with me? Because life in the darkness is hard. In fact, how many of you would say that at times, man... In this country, as Christians, it seems like we are swimming upstream in a downstream world. Any of you feel like that? And one of the ways that we push through that, one of the ways we survive the darkness is coming together with other believers to worship God. But one of the things that I've heard a lot over the years is, you know, I just don't believe in organized religion. You know, I, I do things on my own. I, I do things by myself. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with going into your closet to pray. There's nothing wrong with spending time just you and God alone. Jesus would often withdraw at times to go and just spend time with the Father. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we stay only to ourselves, it is really hard to become more like Jesus. That's why the first Christians also had a priority of coming together. There was none of this just, just me and Jesus mindset. And that's the way a lot of people think today. They, they think, well, you know, listen, all I need is Jesus... But listen, that's, that's not a biblical mindset because here's the deal with Christianity. Christianity is relational. Right? That's why not only does it say that they were devoted, these first Christians, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the Lord's Supper and to prayer, but it also says that they were devoted to fellowship. Community. Community was non-negotiable to the first Christians. They disciplined or discipled rather in community because, and don't miss this, this is what they saw Jesus doing, right? I mean, can you think of a time in Scripture where Jesus ever went up to anyone and said, look, it's just you and me. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this life by ourselves. Just, just you and me. No, Jesus preached community. Because when we try to do this life alone, it's hard, and it can lead to stagnation, and it, it can cause us to drift spiritually. In other words, life change, life change requires more than just believing. It requires belonging. And studies even bear this out. There was a study done a while back 
by a professor of medical sociology at Harvard University. And this is what he found. If people want to make profound life change, if they want to quit smoking, if they want to lose weight, if they just want to be happier, they have to do it with other people. You look, a lot, you look at a lot of these groups like AA, where you have people who are trying to stop doing drugs or they're trying to stop um, you know, uh, becoming addicted to alcohol. And when you go to these meetings, what they will explain to you is if you want to overcome drugs, if you want to overcome alcohol, first of all, you've got to have God in your life. And second of all, they will tell you, you've got to have community. You've got to have others. You may say, well, Slate, look, I'm, I'm not naturally a people person. Well, I'm here to tell you that what I'm talking about this morning is not something that is anything natural within us. What I'm talking about is something supernatural that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His what, church? With His love. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. In other words, church is not a place you go to. It is a, a people that you belong with. And Jesus is uniquely present when we come together, using each of us to help the other shine a little brighter for Him. I think most of you know Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, don't neglect the meeting of ourselves together. And it goes on to tell us why that we come together and we encourage each other. And if you back up one verse, it also says that we, when we come together, we motivate each other to acts of love and good works. Which really leads us to the third priority that we see with the first Christians, and that is to bless people with needs. In other words, the first Christians, they were committed to worship, and they were committed to community, and they were also committed to service. They understood that discipleship is more than just the absence of badness. And I, I think that's what a lot of people think Christianity is all about. It's just simply stopping uh, some dark or, or ugly sin that we've been committing in our life, and that's part of it. But let me tell you something. Discipleship is more than just the absence of badness. It is the presence of active goodness. In fact, the first Christians were known for what they were for more than what they were against. And so was Jesus. And so are those who look like Jesus. We can't become like Jesus and live a self-absorbed life. We can't become like Jesus and make this world all about us and focus on just, just us. Servant is the job description of every Christ follower. 
And here's the deal. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit, He equips us. He, give, he gifts us so that we can serve each other. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, Peter says, If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that what? That God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You see, God is praised and Jesus is revealed when we serve others. In fact, it's pretty cool if you go back to Acts chapter 2. As those first Christians were truly being the church as they were gathering for worship and as they were sharing in community with one another and serving others, it says in verse 47, they enjoyed the favor of who, church? Of all the people. That would include the people who were living in darkness too, right? People who were living in darkness was looking on at the church and they had favor in their eyes. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, He says, you, you are the light of this world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No one hides their lamp. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will what? Will praise who? Will praise your heavenly Father. That's why we want to look like Jesus. But so often I'm afraid this life has become about wealth and work and popularity and even rights. How many of us would look back on 2020 and honestly say, I was focused more this past year on this earthly kingdom than I was on heaven's kingdom? I'll be the first to raise my hand. And yet we have a God who says, listen, all that stuff, let the world worry about that. That's not who you are. Let the world worry about food and clothing and shelter as my children. He says, I'm going to take care of that for you. He says, you focus on my kingdom and putting me first. And he says, all this other stuff, he says, I'm going to take care of it. And so as we look back on 2020, how many of us can say, you know what, in 2020, I looked like Jesus. And yet Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't do what, church? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen, our witness must first be seen. And then be heard.
Or to put it another way, before they see who we love, they must love what they see. People living in darkness are probably not going to read our tracks. They may not even watch our online services. But they will notice people who live and love like Jesus. It's amazing how God works. I've shared stuff like this before, but this week I was on my way home at lunch after working on this and just thinking about all this stuff, and a song came on the radio that I'd never heard before. It's by Casting Crowns, and the name of the song is Start Right Here. And as I listened to the song, I was like, man, they nailed it. This is everything I needed to hear. And I just want to share the words with you. We want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on a screen. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our, we want out, we want our blessings in our pockets. We keep our missions overseas. But for the hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? Huh. But we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start in here. It's got to start right now. I'm like the brother of the prodigal who turned his nose and puffed his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but his soul was just as dead. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and we walked a mile in someone else's shoes? Hmm. Because we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. We're the people who are called by His name. If we'll surrender all our pride and turn from our ways, He will hear from heaven and forgive our sin. He will hear our, heal our land, but it starts right here. It's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. Lord, I'm starting right here. Lord, I'm starting right now. One of the things you hear people say today is they're taking Jesus out of everything. No, they're not. They can't take Jesus out of us. They can kill us, but they can't keep us from putting Christ on display in our lives. And so, we all need, me included, we need to stop focusing on the darkness. And we need to start turning on the light. And what I'm asking you this morning as a church family is who will stand with me? Who will stand right now and recommit their life to Jesus? 
who will stand right now and say, you know what, I'm no longer going to live for this world in the kingdom down here. I'm going to start living for that kingdom and putting Jesus first and making Him the priority of my life. I'm standing. Hope you'll choose to stand with me. We've made a commitment as a church. And I hope in 2021 we're serious about that commitment. Doesn't mean that we're gonna we're not gonna falter or try and go back to our ways, but we're deciding right now who we're gonna live for and who we're gonna look like. I want to encourage you to get behind the leadership of this church. These men love the Lord. I want to encourage you to get behind them as they lead this church. Encourage them and encourage each other to keep going and to look more like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. Father, help us to look like him in every way. I know in my life personally, I have faltered and I have made that really a lot less important than other things in my life. Father, we want to we look like Jesus so that we can show people you. Give a testimony and a witness to this world that is different from anything that they've ever seen so that they will have the hope in you. And so, Father, I pray that you'll be with our church family at Central, Father. I know that 2020 was very different. And I know that, at least for me individually, my focus has been earthly about my little kingdom here on this earth. But Father, starting now, I want to make my focus your kingdom, and I pray that you'll help us as a church collectively to do that. To get behind the leadership here, our elders, and Father, I just pray that you'll bless them with great wisdom and passion for you. I pray that as a church we will lift them up, and together as a family, we will serve you with everything we've got and we will do everything within our power to lead as many people to you. And I pray this prayer in the power of Jesus' name and with all faith, believing you can do it. Amen. You can be seated. We're, we're going to take the Lord's Supper now. We'll have a scripture. Is there a scripture, Jeff? You got one? We'll have a scripture to prepare our mind, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together.